now we're on and now we're all recording. Great. Yeah, we are. I just wanted to have a little break from being recorded. <laughs> <laughs> it's exhausting sometimes. Yeah. You're never going to make it in Hundo House with that kind of attitude, man. Oh, yeah. Our new vastly ambitious podcast project yeah. slash live stream slash maybe television event, at least on Twitch, I think. Mm-hmm. Go where the money is. That's the vibe, y'all. Yep. Press F in chat. Um, <laughs> when Andrew forgets what he's talking about. That'll be, a, you know, like you have the subscription things and like the like a sound will play. Like that will be one of the sounds of me saying, I don't fucking remember this one, man. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's oh, right. thanks, uh, Elliot, for resubbing at the tier two level. I've got the and notification. Thanks. Nine months of support. <laughs> yeah. We're not starting an OnlyFans yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I show my ass enough. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is Good Charlotte. This song is dedicated to every kid who got picked last in gym class. To every kid who never had a date to no school dance. Yeah. To everyone who's ever been called a freak. Y'all know what I'm saying. Yeah. This is for you. Here we go. We are Hottest 100s and Thousands and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest 100. My name is David James Madden and I am one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour or so. Joining me once again, Andrew McMadden. Yo. <laughs> Nathan Harramadden. <laughs> Sup. <laughs> and Madden Buncher. Good Charlotte to you, sir. <laughs> and and a good Charlotte to you. Good Charlotte to us all. <laughs> Why waste a second more? We are kicking off with Good Charlotte coming in at number 95. This is Little Things. Yeah, this song is dedicated is good Charlotte. to every kid who ever got picked last in I'm gym saying. class. This is for you. To every kid who never had a date to no school dance. This is for you. To everyone who's ever been called a freak. This is for you. Here we, here we go. Number 95 in the 2001 Triple J Hottest 100 for the first and final time. That is the song Little Things, the lead single and opening track from their self-titled debut album, Good Charlotte Pop Punk Stalwarts that, of course, have a long and storied history with Australia. When Good Charlotte stopped being popular everywhere else... They stayed very popular in Australia, so much so that the core of the band, uh, the uh, the nebulous, if you will, the Madden brothers, twin brothers Joel and Benji, Joel the frontman, uh, Benji the guitarist and backing vocalist, the two of them ended up with gigs here in Australia where they were judges on The Voice and The Voice Kids. Yes, Benji Madden, the one who doesn't sing in Good Charlotte, <laughs> got a job as a judge on a singing competition. That's how much Australia loves Good Charlotte. And for all intents and purposes, it began here with Little Things. Their brief momentary crossover with the uh, kind of alternative realm before they exploded into the mainstream stratosphere with the Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous album. Uh, which saw them walking Hollywood red carpets and dating Hilary Duff and going multi-platinum and all sorts of shit. But uh, at this time, they were just a uh, a young and up-and-coming band. It's weird to talk about this one because like, I don't feel like this song is entirely reflective of what Good Charlotte would become. Like, the polish isn't quite there, the polish that you'd see in 
Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous or the Anthem or any of those sort of songs, like the songs that would end up making them global megastars. There's elements of it there. That massive chorus obviously kind of leads up to it. Uh, And I guess to a degree that kind of petulance that's uh, omnipresent in Good Charlotte's music, that very snotty, yeah, look at me now, dad, kind of vibe, you know, that is... A, a, a very constant present in the uh, the Good Charlotte oeuvre. The Good Charlotte Expanded Universe. Yeah, the, the, G, the GCEU. Yes, thank you. <laughs> GC Comics. <laughs> now we're talking. It, it feels like a test run uh, of them. <laughs> you know how we talked about uh, U2 like, reapplying for the job of being the biggest band in the world? This this sounds like Good Charlotte's audition for being the biggest band in the world. Like At least the biggest band in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Man. Before Pink gets here. Yeah, yeah, before, yeah. Yeah. Austra- Australia's own Good Charlotte and God. Pink. <laughs> She's we're pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> the world suburb. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Packing it in now. God, we're pathetic. <laughs> What's the point? God, you, you were right about this fucking this episode breaking Nathan. Uh, <laughs> the cracks it, are already starting to show. It happened sooner than I thought. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How much will he crack is now the question for the rest oh, of the yeah. episode. I guess we'll find out. How far can we push him? Also, oh, wanna... don't push him because he's close to the edge. Well, <laughs> let's see how close. Oh. So my relationship with Good Charlotte is flaky at best. Like I kind of thought they were somewhat cool. They were kind of a band that initially I had posters up on the wall purely kind of aesthetically. Like uh, Billy, their guitarist, was like the the misunderstood goth kid. He also wore a neon ballroom shirt a lot because Silverchair were his favourite band. Ah, it, they got together, yeah. the trio of Good Charlotte, Thanks to a shared love of Silverchair. So there was Which an Australian connection. Because, yeah, because they're a good band. It's ooh, wild. Yeah, it's like yeah. a Faustian gambit. I mean, you get Neon Ballroom. <laughs> but you, but you also, also get, get good, good Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah, it's like Nirvana. Hey, like, you think of all the, the shit bands that were influenced yeah. by Nirvana. It's just like, yeah. was it worth At it? At what cost? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No yeah, wonder yeah. Uh, Daniel Jones struggled so much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as, as they got more and more popular, I was just really kind of annoyed by them you know they became kind of the poser band you know it's just like oh god if you're like them you're not legit they're lame as shit and then good point yeah well well then i don't know like i've come back to a lot of these singles in in more recent years and kind of reevaluated a lot of them like i i feel like there's great accessibility to a song like dance floor anthem i think the anthem itself is is very catchy and like i simultaneously love that it is you know this massive pop song but it also has these little touchstones where, you know, they reference Twisted Sister or Minor Threat or something like that, where you're just like, oh, cool. I wouldn't have picked up on that as a kid, but someone else might have, and that might have been like a a jumping-off point for them. I can appreciate them more as a a gateway band now in the same way that uh, a band we'll be talking about a little later on in this countdown, Linkin Park, were for a lot of people, like a gateway into metal or heavy music or, you know, alternative music in any way, shape, or form. If Good Charlotte were that band for you, then I get that. Now I come back to this record especially just because you know it's so raw and it's so scrappy and they're not making it with the sense of just like well we've just made this multi-platinum record what do we do now they were just these middle class kids I I think their ambition was much bigger than their immediate kind of pop punk scene and they immediately outgrew it the second that this record took off. I don't view them in the same way that I would, you know, your offspring or Green Day or even Blink because at least Blink had a couple of years of kind of slumming it in the relative musical underground before they broke big. Mm. Like, Good Charlotte were like kind of a a, a Triple J band for a cup of coffee, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Beyond that, you know, they were very much Nova territory, like in a big way. And like I said, you know, they've still managed to keep a, a working relationship with Australia for many, many, many years. Like a couple of them like lived here for a while because they were working here. I remember like lining up for a show at the Metro and seeing the fucking Madden brothers walking down George Street. I'm just like... What the fuck? And then I realized, oh yeah, there's a KFC up the road. Oh <laughs> my god, can we talk about that? <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll oh. get to it. Oh. But it, in oh. the in the meantime, I genuinely want to hear from 
the two guys that have quite the history with with punk music, especially at like around this age. I can imagine for you guys growing up, like Good Charlotte would have been seen, you know, in that in that light as as the quote unquote enemy. What is your relationship with this band then, and especially like in comparison now, looking at this song twenty years on? The question I want to pose to begin with is um, mm. that starting bit, which you quoted at the start of this episode. Yeah. Um, do you think that the people from Good Charlotte were like misfits and bullied? I'd say so. Like, Good. I'm glad then. Yeah. <laughs> they deserve it. That, that, that's, what, that's what I think. Like, if, they deserve if, to be bullied. If their bit is a lie, then they are good charlatans. <laughs> Had that one in the back pocket. Oh, um, really, that got a laugh? <laughs> <laughs> really, we're, we're laughing at that. Last episode, I got chewed out for it. Yeah, I was mostly laughing at the idea of Andrew practicing that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Either they're lying and they're, they're, then they're just dipshits, or if it's true, that's good news. I want them to have been bullied. There is not a single part of their entire discography that does not piss me off. But from what I've heard, I haven't, gone, I haven't, I haven't dug into the B sides. Maybe they've got some post punk bangers in there. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, obviously, that, that they'd go on to make way worse stuff than this song. The particularly yeah, for like, sure. By the end of their, I'm not sure. I'm, are they still making music? Um, their most recent record was 2018. Okay, so, right. So, um, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. They had a, they had a few years off. Um, and in that time, Joel and Benji made a record together as R- the, the Madden, Madden Brothers. Brothers yeah. yeah. Maybe I'm confusing it with that. But didn't they kind of become just like kind of almost it's like an, an electro pop band. The record Good Morning Revival had like a lot more kind of pop and electronic kind of influence. That is like, what I'm thinking of. Then. That stuff is even less palatable to me than this. But like this is just, it, it is the absolute worst way that punk rock could be expressed. These guys were and remain the enemy. This makes Blink-182 look so hard. <laughs> <laughs> this like, I mean, it's impossible to know how much this is intentional or whatever, but it feels like a cynical song in that it's taking punk aesthetic or whatever and just like working so hard to make it the most marketable thing yeah. possible. So important when you're saying DJ about like Blink, like Blink worked hard and then made it. Mm. These guys were like, again, I don't know how intentional it is, yeah. but, but, there were market like there were major labels and marketing executives waiting. They were like, "We need a new blink." They, they, it feels like an industry plant move, right? Or, or like one step removed yeah. from that because I don't think they were. Yeah, yeah. But and and again, I I don't know whether they were like, "We can make it big if we do this." They might have genuinely been like, "This is what we're interested mm. in," or whatever. But yeah. there's just something so cynical that this song, which like is fun, it's it's a perfectly like finely crafted pop punk song yeah like i get why people enjoy it or whatever it's nothing special and and so the idea that like so quickly you know the the money side of music just decides cool these are like these are the guys we we found them they'll do let's go and like you know we've got a nice little suburban house in australia waiting for them (laughs) because that's yeah that's like, where, where but you that end just up. sucks because, like, I listen to like I'm like this. This is annoying, and the kind of the conceit of the song is just an- annoying and all that stuff. But I was like, I, I get it. I get that this is a fun song. Like, it's it's fairly inoffensive in terms of how it's put together or whatever. Like, and it's got a big chorus and all that stuff. But it's just like I can't remove it from what they are then complicit in just by like just being the band at that time that did that. And it's weighted right. for you because it, it, they also are participants in a culture that you care yeah, about and yeah. a scene that you care about. It's yeah. very antithetical. I, I spent a while reading because I was like, I honestly don't know how they came about. And they they spent some time like supporting, they supported Bad Religion at one point. No way. Like huh, they, crazy. They gigged for a while and like supporting punk bands or whatever. And it's like, okay, cool. Because like my, you know, my very biased assumption is mm. that they didn't at all. Mm. But still, it's just like, I don't know. It's, it's just frustrating and it's just hard to not the the kind of like cynicism with which I view the the music industry as a, as a as a thing that is about yeah. money. Yeah. Yeah. Cannot like I cannot help but put so much of that on this. Yeah. Um, can I can I share a quote that I think illuminates Good Charlotte in a way that was really helpful for me? Coming to coming to try and figure them out and talk about <laughs> as we grapple with this. It was um, gee, this Kentucky Fried Chicken sure is delicious. 
Let's talk about the chicken first. <laughs> I don't I don't know this. I think I know it and it's great. Basically, Good Charlotte were at some point, at least some members of them, outspoken vegetarians. Um, yeah, Bill, Billy, Billy the guitarist, yep. the silver yep. chair boy. Still right. is. I and, yeah. and, you know, like the Good Charlotte as a band were, were like did shows for Peter and they were featured on like Peter compilations. Fast forward some time later. And you have the Madden Brothers advertising KFC. That does ring a vague bell now, yeah. That was the same year that he won, like, vegetarian. someone's vegetarian. Of no the way. Sexiest vegetarian huh. alive, yeah. Yeah, so if a band doesn't know where they stand on fried chicken, <laughs> I know where I stand with that band. <laughs> the quote that I wanted to share. Was I want, this one about I want, fried chicken? I want you to remember that quote mm, because yeah. I think it I think it works constantly for for any band. Yeah. You want to figure out what a band's about? All right. <laughs> the quote that I wanted to share uh, comes from a guy called Robert Benjamin. He says that Good Charlotte are a combination of the Backstreet Boys and Minor Threat. Adding the boy band element in there r- clarifies something to me, I think. And I think it connects to kind of like everything that you guys have spoken of as well in terms of like what boy bands stood for in the 90s, I also think that that's a misleading quote considering where we have landed with the celebration of boy bands in 2021. We're at a very different place in terms of like what we associate with being, you know, poptimism has now come about. Mm -hmm. And we've accepted that music is a a capitalist hellscape. Um, And, you know, so we view... Because sometimes it's a bop. (laughs) <laughs> Sometimes bops do bop. And we've also, you know, got bands that are actively in the pop sphere that are playing with those ideas in really subversive ways. But I really liked that quote in coming to think about Good Charlotte. But the main thing that I kind of got is that I listened to the song and it's like, yeah, the guitars are punchy, but they're too punchy. And is the it, harmonies. Is, is this too punk rock for you, Adam? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. And the harmonies are tight, but they're like they're also too tight. And it's punk that's trying so hard to be punk. And I've never heard a song that wants more from me. It is the musical equivalent of a performance that comes to your school at a lunchtime that tells you not to do drugs. <laughs> it's that play. It's, yeah. a, it's an after-school special that says, don't try marijuana even once. <laughs> <laughs> this band is a narc band. <laughs> God damn. Maybe that's not the message, but that's sure as fuck the energy. That quote, that's one of the worst things I've ever heard is, uh, about minor threat. The idea, <laughs> yeah, that there's, yeah. the, the idea that there's any minor threat in Good Charlotte is insane. <laughs> Oh, well, they're, they're literally referenced in the lyrics to uh, the anthem. Hang on, I'll just pull up the lyrics. I'm going to get by and just do my time out of step while they all get in line. I'm just a minor threat, so pay no mind. Yeah, right. And how, sorry, how far in is this? That's the second verse. No, of, of Good Charlotte. <laughs> um, that's on the second record. So that's, okay. that's Young and the Hopeless, which was 2002. Not that it's forgivable to have it like that. It would be less forgivable if that came after. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, like if they were trying to like claim punk for, credit on, once, on like once their sellout record. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I get that. That, but, that uh, was from the 2018 record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> post voice. <Yeah. laughs> and post KFC. <laughs> I, I think we've all felt all the emotions that we need to feel. Are there any final notes on Good Charlotte? Because, uh, spoiler alert, we don't get to talk about them again. That's a relief. Mm. That's it. You can't trust a band <laughs> that doesn't know where they stand on fried chicken. Buck, buck. At number 94, it's the return of Depeche Mode. This is I Feel Loved. Returning to the Triple J Hottest 100 
for the first time in eight years, I'm pretty sure, a song called I Feel Loved, which uh, bears an almost identical resemblance to the title of the song that we previously talked about, I Feel You, uh, which came in at number 92 in the hottest 100 of 1993. Season one, baby. Season one, baby. Remember, I was there. Andrew. David. I know you're a big Depeche Mode fan. Yeah, the only times we've gotten to talk about Depeche Mode are, you know, these kind of post-peak eras, you know, where they're trying to figure out, okay, well, you know, we're a massive 80s band. What do we mean in the 90s? And now, what do we mean in the 2000s? Mm, It's interesting. This was um, from their 2001 record, Exciter. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't heard that record. It's beyond what I would say is Andrew relevant interest Depeche Mode. The Depeche Mode records and songs that I love, like the majority, like their, la- their later half of the 80s and the first half of the 90s when they had this incredible string of hits. What I like about them is they kind of marry these ideas of like sensuality is a huge Depeche Mode thing, very sensual, like horny band, but also with a sense of menace, a sense of like n- not lack of safety. Um, and but but always with like a groovy as shit danceable beat. They're just like they're a sexy band, but there's always a hint of like darkness kind of thing like that. Which I guess is why, considering they're like essentially a new wave synth band, but they have a huge following like with all the goths. Everyone loves Depeche Mode. Those sexy, sexy goths. <laughs> but despite the fact that so much of Depeche Mode stuff is not very like gothic rock, what you would consider like or even post punk. A lot of it's just like new wave and synth stuff. This one, like, I don't know, like. I guess this is definitely like a, this is a horny song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dave Garner's never stopped being horny. Yeah. Well, it depends. I mean, in terms of like what the song is written about, he said that it's apparently like when you feel like this is a quote. When you feel like shit, you feel your worst that you've ever felt in your life, and then somehow you think the universe must like me for making me feel like this. So it's actually like fucking huh. bitter huh. as hell. Yeah, right. So you you can I, I I like thinking about that quote when I hear the mm. way he says I feel loved mm. like. That bitterness certainly imbues the song with something that I, I wouldn't have had. I think that mm. that bitterness imbues it with something that I it makes me appreciate the song more because mm. much more. Yeah. Overall, like I, I don't think this is an amazing song. Like, yeah, yeah. The throbbing synth beat is cool, but not cool enough. He, Dave always puts in a great performance. Uh, I think the vocal performance is the highlight yeah. of the song. The thing that gets me he sells it, man. Yeah. yeah, is it like we just came from listening to like We Come One mm. and like these these current sounds of electronica this really sounds like it's still stuck in the early 90s or yeah. even earlier than that like it, it sounds so underproduced in terms of the electronic sounds that they're using like earlier prodigy shit that we've talked about sounds more modern than this yeah, yeah. like yeah, what's going yeah. on like i just don't yeah, i just didn't i just didn't vibe with the the sounds yeah, I didn't, no, the way the sounds yeah. sounded yeah and i honestly the lyrics they're i not don't great. think they're good either no, which is they, a shame because that like that about the universe that like that's interesting. That's there, like th- there's potential for a good yeah. song there. There's yeah. a really good potential for like that, that. That could be the kernel of a very good song, yeah. or the kernel yeah. of some great lyrics. Mm. As David said, I love Depeche Mode. Like, yeah, brings me no joy realized, in saying that this is not a great song. I just realized um, we also talked about them when um, Rammstein covered them. Yes, we oh, did. Oh, that oh, was it. Oh, let me see you strip. That was it. Yeah, yeah. I, was, yeah. I was. Yeah, I was like, I why knew we spoke about? Yeah, yeah. like I, yeah. I def- yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, no, it is. It is definitely interesting. Like. Seeing how a band so rooted in a place and time tries to adapt and evolve. I, I pay the the kind of approach of just trying to be a band again in the present mm. tense, mm. you know, and not a nostalgia trip. There's risk and there's trial and error that comes with having to do that. Like, I don't think this is the strongest Depeche Mode song. And like, I feel like they would finally get it right circa playing the angel. Like I think yeah. that's that's one that's probably their best record since that peak in the eighties. Yes, yeah, agreed. Um, you know, just because they found something that settled in with a contemporary sense, but also kind of threw back to like, hey, you know how the eighties are cool again? <laughs> well, we were actually in there, like we were yeah. there in the eighties. <laughs> we know them. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. know those guys. What I thought was uh, worth bringing up as well is um, measure of, like on the the Wikipedia page of this song. Whoever wrote this. God bless you. The description for the, for the film clip is just so weirdly written. Um, it says, <laughs> the original video features Depeche Mode performing in a club. The setting makes for a hot, sweaty ambience. The, 
The the club. I'm out already. <laughs> the club is approached by a set of canine police with dogs, <laughs> with dogs snapping and with dogs snapping and angry. For what purpose is unclear. The site security only smiles unless the unless the policeman by. The audience seems unaware by the snapping, snarling dogs, and the dogs slowly give in to a loving temperament, licking those that pay attention to them. This seems to this seems to suggest that the club is full of love and and, and affects all who enter. That's amazing. That is top-notch writing. You know what, though? Um, I have some more amazing Wikipedia entries. This is for the album Exciter. Mm-hmm. Someone, obviously, just a big fucking botanist head yeah. coming in and saying, the plant that appears on the cover is the agave attenuata, a species of agave sometimes known as the lion's tail, swan's neck, or foxtail for its development of a curved stem. Unusual among agaves. <laughs> I was just like, I was like, we're going to bring it back to some... <laughs> some to, to, to fish. No. <laughs> no. Nope. It was just about the plant. <laughs> Sometimes and, it's got to be. But, when you is Depeche Mode going to go on Gardening Australia? That's the, oh, that's yes. the, the million dollar oh. question. I feel... You, you know, mulch? Yeah. I feel mulch? I feel mulch. I just can't get enough for that magnificent <laughs> mulch. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I just can't get enough to be a great opening for Gardening Australia. I'd, True. I'd, I'd buy that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. I mean, Costa, Costa's like Jet X. Like, he would have probably gotten down with Depeche yeah. Mode in the 80s. Yeah. yeah. He's so cool. He's so cool. I want to go on record. If you're listening, <laughs> fuck, oh, fuck your cool. Let's get on, Costa, get on the cast. Get on the cast, Costa. If he, oh, my God. Like, right? Dream. I'd feel Should we really, reach out? <laughs> I'd feel so good about myself. <laughs> If he listened if to I us. If I knew that he listened to us. Oh, or man. if someone had a way to convince me that he did. He doesn't even need to. <laughs> it's just as good. As long as I think it. Legitimately, if there it's is anyone listening that has any connection whatsoever to Costa and can get this on his desk or his garden, whatever he has, the hood of his car, like, make it happen. Because we want to be friends with Costa. I don't, yeah. like, I don't need to know. Like, if he just like, hey, Nathan, great pod. I, th- that'd that's be enough. It. That'd be well, it. Hey, boys, great. You yeah. know, like, <laughs> doesn't even have to be personalized. This he is doesn't, op- though. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's clearly trying to move on, and I'm like, you're still well, thinking about Costa. Ugh. Well, once again, this is the last time we are talking about this band. Does anyone have any final notes on Depeche Mode? One of my live bucket list bands. Don't True. Know if I, they're, 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 yeah, I don't. Have they ever been out? Like they would have been out here in like the eighties, uh, yeah, I reckon. But, but like, like I don't think they ever came out here. Not, like not in, not in the last like, like twenty 12, odd years. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly, at least. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. In an alternate universe, they were the ones that were popular in Australia and, and hosted The Voice yeah. and, oh. and lived here for a while. <laughs> the monkey's paw closes another <laughs> finger. <laughs> I'm imagining Dave Garn just lounging in one of those big fucking voice seats. Yeah. He never fucking swivels around. Yeah. He's, just, he's yeah. just lounging there with no shirt Doing on. Doing some KFC ads. Yeah. And it's yeah. fine because they're just pro-fried chicken. And they made it clear mm. from they the beginning that that's where they stood. Yeah. <laughs> he just can't get enough yeah. of the fried chicken. <laughs> oh. KFC would love that. Yeah, oh. that, would be that yeah. Love yeah. it. At number 93, this is the return of the butthole surfers. This is the shame of life. I love the girls and the money and the shame of life. My shadow mind is just a sign of your game of life. There were girls in the back and there were girls petting squirrels and there were squirrels smoking crackle with an old Navy SEAL in the deep. Surfers making their unexpected return to the Triple J Hottest 100 of the year 2001, coming in at number 93 with the song The Shame of Life, following on from their top five 1996 smash, Pepper! Um, Adam. Please, no. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I can, but no. I'll take this okay, one. Okay, okay. 
Um, I mean, this is not pepper, is it? No. <laughs> it's super not pepper. It's super not pepper. And, and we, we kind of talked- It sounds to- like they've gone on with salt alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, too much salt. Well, the balance is out at least. Yeah, yeah. for sure. We, when we last and only other time talked about butthole surfers um, and, and pepper, we talked about how strange a band they are. They started mm, in yeah. the hardcore punk scene, but the stuff that they do is- is very much like defying categorization, yeah. just kind of weird, noisy, psychedelic, just like they're just an odd band. Mm. Um, mm. I put them in the same group as like Ween, as mm. just yeah. bands that are just yeah. trying shit, and that's they're into that, and that's fine. Not to be too callous, I don't think this song would have been in the countdown were it not for Pepper. I think this is. A follow-up hit, yeah, right? Um, you know, and and riding on on everyone's love of Pepper a little bit. It's a weird song. the The chorus, um, the credits, are uh, written by Kid Rock. No way! So this is our first uh, Kid Rock uh, Kid Rock songwriting mm. credit in mm. the podcast. My so. name is Kid. <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> I think you've done that before. Not on the I've never done it on the pod. Right, okay. No, that's right. dubious. My name is <laughs> I've always wanted to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to do it for posterity. Mm. My name <laughs> Once you start, you can't stop, man. It's addictive as shit. I plan to never start. <laughs> you say that. Quote me on it. You say that. Know where you stand on fried chicken and Kid Rock. <laughs> oh, Kid Rock sucks, but the line, my name is Kid, is the funnest thing to say in the fucking world. Is, up that, there. is that from Bulba Badol? Yeah, Bong Diggy Bong Diggy Bong Diggy 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 said the boogie, set up jump boogie, which is also incredibly fucking fun to say. As is, I want to be a cowboy baby. The dude just has fun shit to say. I'm begging you to stop talking about Kid Rock. See, what you don't get about Kid Rock is that he takes punk rock and he mixes it with the hip hop. It gets oh. you higher than a treetop. He'll forever be the kid rock. I don't think you fully comprehend that. The way You're he, right. The way he rhymes rock with top with rock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nathan, how upset are you? I mean, it's just... I, I check in? It's hard to read this song because I, I think like they might be operating with a lot more irony than I am. Yeah. I... You know, immediately give them credit for. Like, I think having mm. a kid rock line, I love the girls and the money and the shame of life. I I uh. don't think we're meant to take that without without quite a lot of salt. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> God. Because then, you know, you get to the verses and it's just like, starts talking about this party, but then like the squirrels are smoking crack and like, it just... It's weird. Like, the, and it's, like yeah. that's like their shtick, right? Like, they're like, they're like, it's not just their weird in the sense of like they bounce between genres and throw anything against the wall. It's like they are trying to be weird, right? Yeah. In, 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 a, mm. in, a, in the same way that, like, to a certain degree, I think more effectively, Beck has done so. Uh-huh. Um, I think of the eels. The eels. Eels. Yeah, that's um, eels. To go a bit farther back, um, Frank Zappa. Totally, totally um, get a, a Mothers of Invention. The Residents. Yeah. And, the and residents I, absolutely, yes. And I think if, if we're thinking about in that area, then getting a Kid Rock line as the chorus about loving the girls and the money and the shame of life is heaps He's funny, clever yeah. and funny yeah. like, and a oh good my bit. God. I don't have a great time listening to this That's song. That's the thing. I don't think the, like, the amount of work you have to do as a listener and as like unpacking, to un- uh, yeah, unpacking layers of irony is not Which worth- Which might not even be true. Might not even be true. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's not worth that considering the payoff is just a song that is honestly a little bit too close to being a new metal song yeah. anyway. <laughs> and look, you know, you and I are great subscribers to the, this song is annoying. Oh, it's meant to be like that. It's actually genius and we love yeah. it now. Like, but I'm just not sure that that's the Yeah, I don't know, It's man. not it's novel. It's certainly not <laughs> unique. Um, I, I think that just leaves one descriptive term for this song. Can anyone think of what it might be? Shit out. There we go. Yeah. Was, see, that a, was that a Tism reference? It was. Okay. So that, that David, David See, what you don't get about Tism is that they take, <laughs> they take yes. Southern rock and they mix it with the hip hop and they've got money like Fort Knox and they'll forever be the kid rock. I'm, the I've I- ended up more upset than Nathan. The, the, <laughs> the idea of Tism being heaps rich is super funny. Um <laughs> Did anyone know this butthole surface song before this? I vaguely. But why would you go back to it though, right? Like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Nah. 
not a not a vibe. Yeah. Um, Considering how fucking good Pepper is. Yeah. Like it's so That's fucking just, good, yeah, man. It, yeah. I'm sad that you didn't say, did anyone know The Shame of Life so that we could be like the song or the shame? <laughs> I so aggressively don't care. Yeah. Like, I aggressively don't care. It's the kind of thing that makes me want to, like, scream, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> makes, it makes me not care so much right. that I care. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh, I don't. I just don't. Care. Like, I don't. It's it's real, like, hmm, you, you say you don't care, but you're talking about it still. <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about but, how much I don't care. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that, yeah. simply saying I don't care doesn't get it through enough. Yeah. I just don't care. Because yeah. this beat Faithless. <laughs> It did. Or, or whatever yeah. one you want to pick for. Chemical Brothers, Super Heist, Pennywise, Good Charlotte. Not my boys. Look how they massacred my boys. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe this beat. Uh, little things. <laughs> one thing that I will say that this song made me realise that I, that, I, that I now submit as an indictment for the, the Hottest 100 historically over years. The Hottest 100 features... Too much rapping for how much hip hop it has. <laughs> yes. Yes. There is a lot of rapping and, and not, not much enough hip hop. That's really, a, that's a good read. It's a bad thing that it exists. Yeah. And a lot but of the guys doing the rapping are blindingly white. <laughs> As the Beastie Boys said, man, too many rappers, not enough MCs. That's it. That is it. <laughs> the Beastie Boys have shown us the way. They always do. They always do. That said, I just realized that uh, the song I've been referencing, Forever by Kid Rock, came out in 2001. So that's a spoiler for my postal vote. <laughs> my name is Kid! You get to be like, this is the second time we've talked about <laughs> Kid Rock. <laughs> At number 92, it's the return of George. This is Run. George coming in at number 92 in the hottest 100 of 2001. That is the song Run. It comes from the album Polly Serena. Very, very good. Sharing lead sister Katie. Uh, she, <laughs> I just said lead sister. <laughs> she's a good, wow. big, she's a good big sister. She's, she's sharing with Ty- Tyrone. And now Tyrone gets his own little song. Isn't that oh, sweet? Oh, he's little Tyrone. But he's very talented. <laughs> he's, he's very fine. talented. He's so talented. Yeah, but I like. there's always going to be Tyrone songs and Katie songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Tyrone yeah. songs are still good. Tyrone if, is definitely the Danny Minogue of this situation. If, if Danny I, Minogue is still good. <laughs> yeah, she's fine. But she happens to be related to someone very talented whose name starts with the letter K. So I I don't even know. I don't think there's enough material, but if there was like a two disc best of for George (laughs) and one disc was Katie songs and one disc was Tyrone songs, one of those discs is never getting played. You you reckon reckon that's the the speaker box to Katie's love below? (laughs) Speaker box is actually, this is not... Speaker box is good. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't have fucking hair. It's got ghetto music as the opener. <laughs> big boy. <laughs> That's it's big boy. <laughs> this is this is my thesis. <laughs> no, breathe no. breathe in now is George's hair. <laughs> <laughs> there are two members of Outcast, and they're both good. Can you name any other member of George? <laughs> We've got both the Noonans. <laughs> and then the rest of the band does a great job too. I don't know their names. If there was a George Bestel that was like the two disc one with one side of Katie's side and one side um, oh, Tyrone's Tyrone side. But that was the deluxe edition. And the single disc that was just, <laughs> was Katie. just Katie. What do you reckon would sell more units? <laughs> 
Tyrone's a way better fucking musician than I am. I'm gonna get that. I'm not saying that. You will ever be. Then I will ever be. He's a better singer. Honestly, he's probably a better man. Look, credit to Tyrone. He is very talented, multi-instrumentalist. Tyrone. Just let me talk about this song. Okay. Um, so first thing I want to say is that uh, is Polly Serena was a big deal. Yes. Like a way bigger deal. It went platinum. Than I re- it went platinum real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this debuted at number one on the national album charts, and that was only the, the 10th um, Australian band to do that, which is like massive. Tight. Gold, 10 days, platinum status within three weeks. And by the end of 2002, the album had gone double platinum. Double platinum. You best believe that people who didn't like George in 2002 really didn't like George by the end of 2002. Oh, yeah. They were everywhere, They man. spent 36 weeks in the top 50 and they won an aria for breakthrough artists. So what I'm trying to say here is that George were a bit of a deal. This is the first time we're talking about the album Polly Serena and yeah. a track from it. We've previously talked about um, some some tracks that came off some EPs ahead yeah, of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, So Spawn that we we talked about. Got a re-release. We talked, yeah, we talked about the EP version, but they re-recorded mm. it for Polly Serena and it closes out that record. That's correct. And closes it with a fucking bang. Holy shit, it's so good. And I think I think Bastard Son also gets a re-record. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. they're the two songs, so they, they also got some, some new versions of White Yes, Park. they did. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, previously we compared the vocal stylings of Tyrone to Jeff Buckley. I think mm-hmm. that flavor's still here, but but I, I I'm also getting a lot more of a kind of like organic Augie March Australian indie vibe. Um, that's, that's, the, that's the strongest vibe I pick up on it. It's real, yeah, it's real yeah. Augie March, right? Which is yeah, real, yeah, which yeah. I say as, as a compliment, a, as a massive compliment. Oh, for sure. Um, here is I think more than anything else, just an example of George doing what George do phenomenally well. These really sprawling, spiraling, intricate, very heavily uh, instrumented kind of rock it's th- these are these are people and this is like this the, the the statement that i have for like george as a band the guys who know how to rock out but also have a collection of really nice plates <laughs> <laughs> i'll pay that I'll pay it's that. like if you you're in the car with your mum and you want to have a little bit of a rock but your mum's there put on some george everyone can enjoy george and it's like that is not to their detriment Honestly. at all they yeah. just there's a level of of grandiosity and theatricality and and just general like artistry, yeah, for sure. That kind of comes across from from George. That I'm sure, like the people who are like pub rock or get the fuck out, had no time for. But, oh yeah, no, they would have been way too punty for the pub crowd. Yeah, but I, I love the broad appeal that George has, and I think I I, I was really warmed to see that um, that chart position and the and the commercial success that they had. Because yeah. I think that that kind of affirms to me this this idea that they are. You know, broadly appealing as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is and this is a cool song. It's got this really interesting, desperate, pleading kind of energy to it. It almost feels like it uh, it runs away from itself, even as it's kind of happening. There are some very interesting things where there are some changes in places where you don't expect things. Things start and end too soon. Um, yeah, and it kind of has this kind of like arresting, breathless quality. Um, as you're kind of listening to it, where where you it's it's ahead of you and it always kind of will be, and it makes you work mm. um, because of that. But just really busy, like lots of lots of layers coming in and out, lots yeah. of lots of instruments kind of entering for a little while and adding some texture and then kind of fading away. Like there's a lot going on, but it's all handled incredibly well, and it's just another example of George doing George for all the like. Obviously, the jokes and roasting we do of, of poor, sweet, innocent Tyrone. Yeah, no, he genuinely does have a, a lovely voice. And uh, yeah, like is definitely kind of a secret weapon in the band because, you know, like when he's not like fronting the band, like he is behind a lot of the guitar sounds and a lot of the keyboards mm. and the piano and stuff like that, you know, and like he has turned that into his main focus of late like he's spent a lot of the last few years working uh in like soundtracking and uh, composition work and that sort of stuff uh, like he works for tv and film and that sort of stuff that's a cool progression honestly yeah if you can go from being like in a band to doing like more sprawling score based stuff yeah 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 that's a pretty cool thing to say yeah 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 like, i feel like it, it suits the band really really well 
Uh, and yeah, it's it's part of a record that was a big deal for me growing up. I bought this record, you know, I actually had the CD, and it's like, like I was saying when we've talked about them previously, like this this shit was just ingrained in me. Like I I don't think I fully realized it until they did that 2017 reunion, and I saw them at Taronga Zoo, and I realized my mouth was moving without me moving it, and I was mm. just like, oh, I know every fucking word to every fucking song they're playing. I also realized I have a really beautiful kind of sense memory relationship to this album that I only kind of got when I was listening to this song. Yeah, right. But the first time I kind of had a relationship with George was as the album was given to me by a singing teacher that I had. And she was really lovely. She was like I, um, a a jazz singer who went on tour like all over the world as like a really famous kind of jazz performer. Yeah, right. And she used to hold these lessons in a kind of like she, – she was married to a, an artist, a visual artist. And we used to have the singing lessons in this kind of like artist studio shed with these big, massive, half-finished artworks mm. on the wall and it kind of smelt of paint, but also of like the, the flowers because it was in the country, it was on the coast, and the flowers outside – and she, I realized, actually gave me quite a lot of music, you know, to say, I think you'll like this. It wasn't even about, I think you should sing this. It was just like, I, th- I just think as a, as a teenager, here's an al- album that I think you really dig. Polly Serena being one of them, but most notably, even more than that, uh, OK Computer. Oh, wow. Being another. So, like, I, I, I'd completely forgotten about this kind of, like, chapter in my musical influence in, mm. in, in that part of my life. But this came back to me when I was listening to this song, um, which is really nice. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Personal kind of attachment I have. I, I really love how much you guys love this, um, how much you get out of it. It, it. it doesn't really click a lot for me just because this is not my kind of music, but there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with it in any capacity. Like, he's a beautiful singer. Like, I'm he's, glad yeah. to hear you say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. I, I, I would still play this too. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, no, he, he's, he's got to be a beautiful singer. And the band are all terrific. It's all working entirely well. It's just this this kind of, um, I guess, soft pop rock stuff doesn't really do much for me. But I can, yeah. I'm, I'm really glad that you guys both love it so much because I, I, can, I, can, I can, and I can see why. Hmm. Yeah, all, sure. all, the, all the elements are there for that to be a connection. Uh, I will also say in this countdown, spoilers, we are talking about quite a lot of Muse. And I think that oh, yeah. the same people who voted for Muse probably voted for George. <laughs> That's and so interesting. I can see that as a goatee yeah. kind of vibe. Yeah, goatee kind of vibe. <laughs> yeah, just artisanal. You know, like very like artisanal ca- goatee. Oh yeah, you know, like definitely cafe dweller kind of vibe. Yeah, definitely dudes who sh- like. Like, don't look like they can play guitar really, really well. And then they sit down and go, oh, what, this? It's like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> Just, pre- yeah. Like, asshole shit. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> what the what the fuck? <laughs> I think there's a nice connection there in terms of, like, <laughs> what you said, Adam. Sorry, not the... But just, like, between... Uh, well, I, I guess what I'm thinking of, like, thinking about this song, that there's a real nice, like thoughtfulness and ambition in the arrangement and in, yeah. in what you can do. Thank you um, for giving words to my thought. But so so I guess as someone who has never been into Muse and hasn't listened to Muse much, I'm interested to see if that if that um, holds true for the Muse songs we'll talk about. Ooh. Just because I, I, like, I can see one half of that connection. Yeah. Who knows? Bit of sizzle. Bit of sizzle. Bit of sizzle. Baby. Bit of sizzle. Yeah. This is, this is a sizzle for, dare I say, an amuse bouche. <laughs> a what? An amuse bouche. That's even what, worse what? than the fucking two <laughs> joke. No, I, I don't know what you. T- what is that? No, it's the first part of a meal, man. Like an entree. On, 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 on it said sizzle. I was like mm-hmm. hyping that forward. And it's called what? An amuse bouche. What language is that? My name is Kim! Number what's, 91. what's a typical example of an amuse bouche? Why don't you talk? Like, I want to know. It's not fucking interesting. You it is. I was, I was. You just said a word no, I didn't know. You, it's like, you're making fun of me. I'm not making fun. I want to no. know what an amuse bouche I want to know. No, everyone's making fun of me on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> feel like a real Tyrone. <laughs> <laughs> so a soup. Not exclusively. At number 91, this is Sum 41 with Fat Lip. Stolen to the party like my name was El Nino. Yeah. Hanging out, drinking in the back without the meat of a kid. What's up, 
141 coming in at number 91 in the 2001 Hottest 100. That is Fat Lip from the album All Killer, No Filler, which is exactly how I feel about this goddamn motherfucking song. Yeah, I was a massive Sum 41 fan. Uh, this record, just a absolute smash of that, uh, yeah, like petulant pop punk era, which was perfect for me because, you know, I was fucking 11 when this song came out. So, like, it just, it, it made perfect sense. It had that, like you were talking about, there's, there's rapping uh, from people that aren't MCs uh, on this song. I'll admit that. Um, there are references to bands that are probably out of their element, uh, like Iron Maiden and Judas Priest, etc. Podunk fucking Canadian kids that just fucking came out of nowhere and just smashed the shit out of it on this huge, huge single that is just catchy as shit i don't have any greater read on it i i i'm not gonna come in here and just be like no you see the fat lip is actually a representation of society as a whole (laughs) what's funny you say that david because Um, (laughs) (laughs) of course of course i'm fully willing to accept any and all criticism that comes uh from the ensuing however long this discussion goes for but i just know in my heart of hearts that this song whips ass and it just makes me insanely happy so i can't really offer much beyond that this song fucking rules this is a better song than the good charlotte song i think Uh uh-huh and but it's very fucking interesting to ask the question of why yeah i don't know because it's this is an interesting little bookend and i and i and i really think that the answer that i arrived at is one of integrity whereas i got the sense that good charlotte were performing for me and they really wanted something from me I got the sense that these were guys who wrote this song because they thought it was fucking sick and they put every element in there because it made them excited and that they would be playing this song alone in a garage even if I wasn't listening. Mm. It's not the, hey kids, here's good Charlotte and they're they're looking me in the eye the whole time, (laughs) staring me down during that lunchtime performance where we can't leave, you know? Mm-hmm. And dude, like I agree with you. This is like a phenomenally fun song. The thing that I keep coming to is the idea of how well it's like punctuated energetically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know because what I mean? it, yeah, because it rocks along with that steady groove, and then it kicks into that yeah, kind of the double time thing, and then it goes into that big fucking chorus. Uh huh. Yeah, and then yeah, it goes back to the halftime again. Which is another move away from the mic moment. Like every uh-huh. time that that some play this live, Derek steps away and lets everyone go. Don't count on me. It's a festival fucking destroyer, man. Like yep. they can be playing like the main stage of fucking Reading and Leeds or Glasgow or whatever, and they have that in the back pocket, and they're gonna send fucking fifteen thousand people completely fucking ape shit. So I think it operates on on two levels of beats, right? It operates on mm. the on the beats of the song in terms of like where the changes are, and I think that's really masterfully handled. But yeah, then right. the actual rhythms that they play with inside those beats as well are so satisfying. It's it's to me it's like a rhythmic thing. Even though the melodies are excellent, as you know, like the that opening riff, you know exactly what song it is. Yeah, the, the, right? the, the, the that riff is like as someone like obviously I don't like this song. Um, oh, that, that, <laughs> that, that opening riff is the, the that riff is the good part of the song for me. Okay, yeah. And why don't you like what what doesn't? I uh, know because it sounds like new metal meets pop punk. Hmm. Two things I don't like. Yeah, that's two big strikes. Yeah. <laughs> two big strikes. Yeah. Whereas that I'm I'm the center of that Venn diagram. Yeah. Yeah. His name is Kid. I'm aware. Uh, Kid you, Rock. I've heard. Have you heard? Yeah. yeah. I, I tend to take uh, punk rock and mix it with the hip hop generally, yeah. mm. which is actually what this song does a little bit. Yes. Makes you yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, does. Act- well, mm. it does. And it does get me higher than a tree child. I'll tell you that. I've changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I've done some learning and thinking. There's a brattiness here that is closer to being endearing than Good Charlotte's. Like, like you're right, Adam. Like performativity. Like, like these guys just seem like they just obviously they got tremendously famous. Obviously, as yeah, a yeah, band. yeah. Um, but like this feels like just like this. This almost sounds like it could be a song, like a song that like like the Blink One Two were done in their early days. 
Mm. Like apart from it having some new metal influences and stuff like that, but it, yeah, if, if, yeah. it feels like just a bratty pop punk song. And like yeah. I don't like that, but like, <laughs> it, but there's I, I don't, but I don't despise some forty one. Yeah, like I do yeah. Love Charlotte. Yeah. yeah. No, I get that. Let's ask the the big question now, Nathan. Why don't you like this song? <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, I, I feel like some forty one kind of managed to slip under the radar because they weren't as big as Good Charlotte. At least, like, to my knowledge at the time, like, they weren't as visible as Good Charlotte. And then, like, when I started getting, like, I got into Offspring and, and Blink before then getting into, like, punk music. Mm. But I feel like Sum 41 was just never on the radar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were a band right. that other people liked and, and they didn't feel, I feel like scene kids liked Sum 41. Oh, big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but they also like Good Charlotte. I guess, Weirdly. but Good Charlotte were more of a pop band still. But yeah. yeah, so I think I think my like quite early on, my idea of Sum Forty One was that they were a scene band rather mm. than they were a, like a pop punk band like Blink or or Good Charlotte. Mm. Let that stand as maybe like a case study for what was happening in the punk scene at that time. Yeah. Then maybe in terms of what was happening, this this wave of black eyeliner slowly yeah. descending. <laughs> totally, Over, and like so I just like. I, I never had anything to do with them, but I also never felt it, it never felt like some forty one were trying to encroach on being a punk band in the same way that uh Blink and, and Good Charlotte did. Mm. Mm, okay. So yeah, this is a better song than Little Things. The opening riff is the best part of the song and is good. The the rapping, I, yeah, it's just like, it's all just like very other. It's weird for like a popular pop punk song to be other. But, <laughs> but that's how that I feel. Weird. <laughs> it's weird to hear you. Like you're looking at a thing in a I'm like what? Jar. Like in a gallery. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not terrible. And yeah, I like, I don't know, but it feels like some 41 have more integrity. I feel like. Some 41 have a clearly defined idea about how they feel about fried chicken. Yeah, probably. Yeah, they would. <laughs> they know. I have the vague impression that for some reason Derek Wibley is a vegetarian, so. Oh. Yeah. Well, Maybe. I don't know why I would know that. <laughs> Neither, actually. It is it is hard when uh, maybe you don't have the same opinion of fried chicken as the rest of the members of your band. Like, oh yeah, that's that's gonna know? cause some problems. This is the last time we do get to talk about some forty one, actually. Um, so this is obviously their only moment in the sun with Triple J. Um, do, actually, uh, this might be the last time we're talking about all of these acts. Like this might be a burial ground. Um, I think you're right. Uh, wow. ex- oh wait, yeah. ex- oh all except one. Um, yeah, there is. There is oh, still. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll talk about. We'll we'll talk about. We'll talk about. We'll talk about later. But yeah. um, does anyone have any final thoughts on Sum Forty One as a whole? Because I over over time, despite you know their ongoing success and the fact that they've you know continued to still tour and be a massive band all around the world, I kind of find that they're a bit underrated now. Like going back to records, like does this look infected and Chuck, especially like, I'm just like, man, these guys were workhorses, just absolute stalwarts of the scene. And I feel like they don't get enough credit beyond just fat lip and into deep, AKA the big two. Yeah. Well, like I think the thing is when you release songs like that, then yeah. that kind of, it's kind of hard to escape them when, yeah, mm. they're, they're that fucking good. Yeah. This was honestly. in guitar hero. So, yeah. Oh, that yeah, too. Right, yeah. yeah. For, fuck. Forgot about that. It's, yeah. it's, it's very interesting. I mean, especially like, it's kind of just coincidence that they're in the same group of five songs, but just like as the weird blip that triple J listeners were yeah. listening to these bands before they then, you know, yeah. moved on. Mm. Yeah. Um, that's quite interesting. Definitely, mm. definitely. Also, just you saying that this is a burial ground episode with these bands just makes me then think of the like the nuclear waste thing. Um, oh, just yeah. the message for the future where you're like, this episode is not a place of honour. <laughs> no highly esteemed deed is commemorated here. <laughs> Nothing valued is here. What is here was dangerous and repulsive to us. This message is a warning about danger. <laughs> What's that from? Uh, it's what, what they want to put uh, near like nuclear waste. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. all right. So, so I'll tell you about this. I think this is quite interesting. So, the problem with <laughs> nuclear waste is that it will last for like tens of thousands of years. This is really interesting. 
and be like be fatal for anyone that goes there. Yeah. So obviously you want to stop people from going there, but how do you how do you set up a message that will still be relevant 10,000 years in the future? You start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what but you like, do is you take punk rock that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands. Thank you so much for listening. Really bloody appreciate it. Before we get out of here, we're going to pick our favourites and our least favourites and continue that ever-continuing story of carryover champion, carryover chump. Andrew, you're up first. Um, not a great five, this five. My least favourite um, is definitely Good Charlotte, and it is my new chump. Uh-huh. My... I guess the, the best of these five was Depeche Mode, but it wasn't good enough to knock over Pennywise, and even that's not a fucking <laughs> de- one I hold deep to my heart. Yeah, fair. Uh, I'm picking Fat Lip uh, for my favourite from this episode and making it my new champ. My least favourite would probably be The Shame of Life. Uh, I say my favourite is Run, but I'll keep Pennywise Fuck Authority as my champ. Uh-huh. Uh, least favourite, I think, Little Things... And yeah, that will will be the new chump. You gonna chump it up? All right. Um, my favorite actually was Fat Lip. Yeah, for real. Yeah, nice. I had fun with it. But, um, what, but wasn't your new champ? It is not my new champ. We come two. <laughs> we come two, baby. We come two. What was your chump? Counting up. Oh, what was your uh, least favorite? My least favorite was the shame of life. Actually, I just mm. don't care. <laughs> I just don't care. Yeah. Um, we all feel the shame, so like <laughs> move yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. yeah, come on. But <laughs> not not your new chump. No, uh, no, no. I'm going to keep super heist. I think actually. Yeah, fair, 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 fair. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, we are done almost with the '90s, uh, and we are going to keep climbing through into the '80s. But until then, on behalf of Mr. Andrew McDonald, good night, Mr. Nathan Harrison, bye, Mr. Adam Buncher, good night. My name is David James Young. Wait, sorry. No, I just forgot what my name was. Ugh, sorry. My name is King!